0: hey everyone welcome to climb by bsc each week we interview innovative founders category experts and the most active climate investors about their perspectives lessons and best practices for company building in climate tech today i'm thrilled to be joined by caitlin holloway who is an investor and founding partner of the venture capital firm 776 as an investor caitlin has been vocal and passionate about backing companies that shape the future of work life sustainability and the delicate balance that enables us to thrive i love that We love talking about scaling challenges for climate startups on this show, so I'm excited to dig into Caitlin's past as an operator, as well as her current role as an investor. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, Jay, thanks so much for having me on the show today. I'm a big fan of your work and I'm really excited to chat.
0: Well, let's let's kick things off then. So you've had quite an interesting journey into the world of startups and venture. Some might not know that you actually started your career at Pixar Animation before some time at Reddit. So tell us a bit about that journey and what brought you to becoming a founding partner of the venture capital from seven, seven, six.
1: Absolutely. Um, I will try to give you the short version because it is definitely a long and winding path. And to say that I started my, my career at Pixar, um, is, is a lovely sentiment. Um, I, I, I did many, many things before that. I've reinvented myself like 20 times over. Um, and so if you, uh, if you had asked 18 year old me, uh, do you want to be a venture capitalist? I would have never predicted that this would be the the outcome. Um, I mean, shoot, thirty five year old me was pretty lost too, to be honest. Um, but but I am very very grateful for the wide range of experiences and and in different industries that I've worked in that kind of have led me to here. Um, and I I think that you know. Uh, to give you a small flavor of pre-Pixar life, uh, you know, I my first job out of school, uh, wh- which I have degrees that I have never used in, you know, graphic design and English composition. So, you know, very important things. Um, but uh, those those are no matter. Uh, I, my first job out of school, I was an elementary school teacher. I've worked in uh, hedge funds. I've worked in advertising. Uh, it's a pretty wide range of things. Um, but. But Pixar was really the first job that I I made a conscious decision to take. Um, I, I call it my quarter life crisis, uh, where I was working in in advertising at the time, and that was the first job that I had had that I hated, and and that was a, an interesting and very uncomfortable feeling for me. I had been very lucky up until that point, um, but I I decided to make an intentional change, and uh, I looked for a company, and back back then back in my. <laughs> my early years um, the idea of, of company culture wasn't uh, wasn't around culture was talked about you know in in the National Geographic context um, certainly not in the workplace. Uh, but I, I knew that what I was looking for was an environment at a company where I could really discover myself. Um, I, I considered myself a Jane of all trade, master of none. Uh, I was curious and interested in a lot of things, but, but was really lacking direction. Um, and I was convinced that the job that was meant for me, I didn't even know existed yet. And so I was looking for a company where I felt that I could learn, um, and, and Pixar was that. It was exactly that. Um, I feel so fortunate that uh, it found me uh, at exactly the right time as I was searching for something. And so, you know, I, I look at my career and all of the different kind of milestones that, that were pivotal or, or those, you know, fork in the road moments. And there, there are two reasons I wind up reinventing myself, and, and one of them uh, is the I'm curious. Uh, I'm I'm confused. I'm lost. Moments, and that was a, that was a Pixar moment for me. Um, and then the other one that that decided to follow me later in my career was, I think this thing is broken. Why? Um, is there something I can do to help make it better? And so, like I said, Pixar was one of those I'm curious decisions that I made, and and I was so lucky to join that team just before the Disney acquisition, and. It, it not only was a critical milestone for, for Pixar, uh, you know, the folks at the studio, but it was for me very personally as well. Um, because like I said, culture was not really a conversation that was had about the workplace, but when I joined that team, I was working really closely with, um, Ed Catmull, our president and, and, you know, Steve Jobs was still alive around and very active in the studio. Um, and they were having to articulate what made Pixar phenomenal. Why were their, their movies winning in the box office? Why were people uh, falling in love with their characters and their storytelling? And, um, and what they did in this transition uh, to partner with Disney was they had to articulate who they were, why their process and how they did things differently really set them up to succeed differently in their outcomes. And, uh, and so I didn't know it then, but that was where I cut my teeth on all things related to people and culture. So yeah. I, I spent five years there uh, tooling about, trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, I worked in almost every part of the studio. Um, and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. But you know, five years later, I, I decided that I wanted to go and, and take those learnings. And, and I joined the world of tech. So yeah. uh, it was a lot.
0: Yeah, no, no. I I wanted to, to uh, speak there a little bit because what what I think always stands out about a place like Pixar or or even Seven Seven Six is this idea of like planting a flag, right? Knowing what you're about, knowing what you stand for, and then when you talk about you know why somebody wants to come and work with you or work for you, it's because they they know what you stand for and what you're about. And and yeah. to the point of Seven Seven Six, which I, I'd love to chat about that that journey from you know operator and in tech into into VC, um, you have very clear areas of interest and, you know, whether it's you or your partner, Alexis, crypto culture, climate, knowing what you're about. So talk to me about what excited you about those categories, about becoming an investor in those categories and maybe even why those, those three categories.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I, it's so fun to try to figure out, um, as a, as a, relatively new investors. So, so I, as you mentioned, I was an operator, uh, for well over a decade as an HR executive in, in the land of tech, um, as an early builder in web two, um, being a very, very early employee, um, if not the first employee and then helping companies grow and scale. And, um, as I decided to transition into venture capital, um, one of those driving curiosity moments for me was really around the wealth gap and understanding how I could have a, a better impact on, on the outcomes there. And so um, I think as, as you're well aware uh, and, and the work that you do, uh, venture is absolutely at the start of a major, major evolution. Um, it, maybe not start anymore we're we're a few years in but venture is shifting and changing and and what we're building at 776 is absolutely aiming to accelerate this shift and um, as you mentioned uh, you know there, there are a few things that we are naturally drawn to uh, my, my partner Alexis Sohanian and I we first met at Reddit and, and so community is something that that is really important to the, the both of us um and we understand what a thriving community looks like and more importantly the impact that can have on on businesses and as we uh, started 776 we have maintained our uh you know we are stage and thesis agnostic position uh that, that we had from inception but we are both very drawn to uh to certain areas just personally and one thing that we can agree on unequivocally is that uh, we must address the climate crisis and so you know as we think about what that means in today's world uh, this is absolutely an area of focus for us although it's not technically written into to our thesis
0: yeah yeah look I, I think it's um, important as an investor to to have a, a theme and I think or, or thesis even if you are uh, you know sector agnostic like uh, 776 is and, and, and generally I think VSC ventures is as well are there certain companies in climate that you're drawn to, or even certain themes in climate that you're drawn to, where you say, "I think this is really moving the needle," versus maybe this is, you know, just slightly incremental?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I will start by saying I am by no means a climate expert. Um, I am fairly early in my learning journey around um, the the science and the opportunity and the technology. And one thing I love so much about um, Sitting in this role as investor, is I get to see and learn from so many incredible builders, right? So many incredible people who have decided to to take on climate as something that they are are passionate about, obsessed with, go to bed at night thinking about, wake up in the morning thinking about, um, because they understand the urgency. And so I am learning so very much from from founders that that we have the privilege of of taking uh, pitches for, it, particularly in climate and. Um, you know, something, something I've noticed is that a lot of the conversations, um, in the media and in our communities are really around, um, carbon capture, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so, so how do we, how do we get carbon out of the air? And, and then there's, you know, carbon credits and, and people paying to, to have the offset and the, the more and more pitches I've, I've taken and, uh, learned about, um, while this is incredibly critical, so I'm in. I'm trust me. In no way am I saying I want to see less of this, um, but but that is a fairly saturated um, approach to solving the climate crisis. Um, like I said, it is absolutely critical. So so yeah, build on, <laughs> do it. I'm I'm all in. Um, but something that that clicked for me when I met the team over at Vayu um, is they actually are. are Moving upstream in in the the solution, and so what I mean by that is they are focused on reducing the emission um, and other harmful f- things that are, are being um, you know released into our environment that are harmful to our planet uh, before they even happen. And so, you know, I I also invest a lot in women's health and. It, the, there is a similar saturation to women's health tech companies being built around um, reproduction, you know our uteruses and And the reality is is that women he- women's health expands far beyond that particular function of our bodies. and And I feel the same way about climate. And so when I think about climate health, I, I very much believe that it extends far beyond just simply the capture of carbon emissions. And so um working with companies like Vayu who are saying, hey, how do we get ahead of this? So if there are a number of companies building to remove what's happening, how can how can we invest in companies that are are getting ahead of it so that we can reduce those things? And you know, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, and when, when I was in school, when I was in elementary school, we had uh, a little saying that was popularized, which is uh, reduce, reuse, and recycle. So your three R's, that was, that was taught uh, very heavily in California, and, and so for me, this, this heavily falls on the, the reduce uh, R in that little mantra, and um, I would love to see more companies building in, in the reduction space.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love the the clarity of that uh, that reflection. You know, it's interesting, and I think about it a little bit as a consumer, in addition to being an investor. You know, we we all went through this phase of plastic straws and and you know all the things that we can do, the changes we can make in our lives, and then you see what's happening on an enterprise scale, what's happening on yeah. a you know global governmental scale, and the lack of action sometimes that's happening yeah. from companies or from governments. Where do you think that factors in as an investor? Like w- when you're looking at these oh, yeah. things, does that impact how big of an opportunity or how big of an idea you want to go after? Or do you feel like we have to do you know all of it, even at the consumer level and then also at the enterprise level?
1: I mean, you nailed it. it it's, it's certainly the latter. This is a yes. And I, uh, mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, I, I understand the feeling as a consumer of being like, well, what, you know, th- this straw, this, this silly little, uh, you know, th- degrading in my hand straw as I drink my drink, is this really going to to make a big change? The answer is no, it's not, but it's not nothing. And, and so I think for me, it has to be... Um, everyone has to be all in on this. So changing our habits and behaviors at home are important. Teach, And and the most important part of that is teaching our children. I'm a mom to two little boys. And so by demonstrating that this is important and that your actions matter, I hope that we can change the conversation um, that will, you know, my kids will become, you know, hopefully people who care deeply about the planet and and will understand that their actions matter. Um, whether the, they are, you know, Building their own companies or participating in things that, that are helpful, whether they're personal habits or or actually impacting change at the at the very highest levels of government, um and policy, I really hope that um I I under I know and I believe that every person needs to have and feel connection to the solution. So I think it's a yes and, um and and the thing that really really excites me about these founders that are building in this space now, um. They can focus on on every part of that pipeline, uh, pre-emission, post-emission, uh, different technologies. I mean, even food tech um, has a huge impact on on the environment. I think you know, meat alternatives were were considered um, vanity, you know, or or lifestyle investments previously, but now we understand the impact that the meat industry has on emissions. Um, I think beef alone is like 25% of all food. The the beef industry is like 25% of all food related emissions. Um, retail is 20% of all global emissions, all not just related to, to consumer habits, retail alone. So there, there are massive, massive, massive opportunities. Um, like I said, that, that extend far beyond just, you know, either reforestation or carbon, um, carbon capture.
0: Yeah, I, I really appreciate that perspective, especially the idea that if you start making those changes on a smaller scale, then you are much more likely to demand those those changes at a larger yes. scale from those governments, from the companies that you're looking at. One of the companies in your portfolio that, that really stood out to me was DroneSeed, because this yeah. is the idea of being reactive. As much as we want to be proactive, we also have challenges of you know forest fires and just massive you know climate impact from, uh, what's the right word for it, sort of uh, more aggressive, uh, you know, impacts of climate change. Um, talk to me about Drone Seed. What excited you about that company? What do they do? For those of our listeners that aren't aware of them, I uh, would love to understand a little bit more about them.
1: Absolutely, um, I love talking about Drone Seed because this was my first climate investment, um, and it came at exactly the right time. Um, I learned about them <clears throat> well. U.S. I should describe what they do. Uh, Drone seed is solving rapid reforestation through the use of technology, uh, specifically drones. And so, you know, I I live here in California. Um, I actually was born in Alaska, which is one of, you know, the, the final, not the final frontier, the last frontier on Earth, whatever we can, we can ignore my poor Alaskan, (laughs) uh, repping there, but, uh, growing up in nature where, where nature was such a critical part of our community. Um, I, and then now living in California, um, forest fires are, are just absolutely ravaging, ravaging our, our planet and having, um, been introduced to drone seed in the middle of the pandemic, sitting at home with my two babies and not being able to go outside, you know, looking out our windows and seeing what felt very, very apocalyptic um, with the deep red sky uh, because of all of the forest fires across our state. um, It was a no-brainer to make this investment. Um, You know, the work of replanting seeds manually, I had no idea to reforest. It was, it was a human one, you know, one seed at a time, Johnny Appleseed style. And and the idea that that we could reforest, you know, remarkably faster, um, more efficiently, less harm to humans, um, cover much more ground, um, and and in terrain that was previously inaccessible to humans, um, made all the sense in the world to me. Um, And and so, um, you know, I've joined the board of that, Uh, that company, um, through that investment. And we have just continued to double down on them. Uh, we believe very much in the work that they're doing. And, and for me, again, as someone who is learning and very much, uh, trying to better understand, uh, the, the crisis, um, sitting on this board with these just insanely smart scientists and and technologists, um, and environmentalists is, I, I learned something new every time we talk. Um, if they're solving something very big and very important.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I knew we were going to touch on a little bit of your uh, experience on the board there. So comparing and contrasting working with companies outside of climate tech versus working with ones inside of it, whether it's in regards to people and culture, which is you know the world that you know and, and came from, but, but even more broadly, what do you find is sort of unique or different challenges that a company like Drone Seed, or even more broadly, companies in climate tech, uh, face in mm-hmm. your experience.
1: Oh, that is such a good question, um, and and I have so many answers. I have so many responses to that. Um, it is different, and I love that you're calling that out. It it, it is different. Um, there are things that will will always remain things that that are, are um, table stakes for creating healthy, thriving, diverse, inclusive. Uh, organizations, right, through through any industry, in my belief. Uh, but there are things that make climate companies very, very, very different. Um, one thing uh, that, that I have had the privilege of learning through these investments is understanding um just simply different backgrounds of people. So you know, recruiting and blitz scaling in tech and having to you know double your team size and fifty percent engineers. and like I, I've done that for for over a decade and and I understand those challenges. But how do you recruit seed collectors, for example? <laughs> how do you, How do you engage people who who live off the grid? How do you find the people who have dedicated their lives to helping to solve and and educate people about the climate crisis, you know, from your your cabin up in the woods? Um, Reaching the candidates alone, just simply recruiting, is is a very, very, very different process. Um, So I would say that that stands out as one. uh, The recruiting process is very different. Um, Two... Uh, this is something, I'm smiling because um, this is something that I really have found joy in, is educating uh, this, this um, cohort of candidates about equity. So something that I love that, that Climate Tech has brought to uh, these communities who have been deeply passionate about solving um, anything related to our environment is that they are unfamiliar with company ownership. From an employee stock option plan, and uh, bringing that education to them and helping them understand, you know, this is this is the long term value, and this is, you know, you will be rewarded for your contributions not only through salary but also through ownership in the company has been really really fun. Um, again, going back to, to my my curiosity and and wanting to help solve the wealth gap, um, that has been a joy, but and is very different. Um, and then I think three is, you know, recruiting. I, I don't want to focus all my answers on recruiting, but but I think that there is something very special about recruiting people who are very passionate about solving the climate crisis, and one of the one of one one scenario that I've seen with many climate. Tech companies is that they are able to hire talent for less because people are are missionaries. this is this is work that they love and they care deeply about. And so one of my personal goals in helping advise and and work with climate tech founders is helping them to build really transparent uh, pay practices. So helping to understand, you know, just because these people care very deeply about what it is that you're doing, doesn't mean that we shouldn't pay them to market um, and and bring these folks who previously you know were you know in education or or out in the field uh, and really bringing them into what I think are the benefits of working in in tech and so there's a there there are a lot of differences and there there are a lot of uh, a lot of changes um, not changes there there are a lot of opportunities that we have um, to to better support and engage, uh, our employees that are working for these companies and candidates that are interested in working in these companies.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so, so glad that you called out the the other side of the hiring spectrum. I feel like a lot of times in climate tech, the, the challenge that, that founders or CEOs will say is, well, you know, this person could get a, a much higher paying job at an Amazon or a, or a meta or, you know, pick your big tech company, yeah. why would they come work on this? I love that you called that actually. There's also people that are coming from industry, that are coming from, you know, Bureau of Land Management and Forestry yeah. Service. And and this is a new world for them from a, a people building standpoint, right? We work with seed investors. So typically these are teams, you know, sometimes as low as two people and maybe up to, let's say, 10 or 15 people. What are the kind of things that founders and executives should be doing early on to make sure that they're building a culture where there isn't this clash between, climate and tech, if you know what I mean.
1: Absolutely. Um, I I love that you were asking these questions. It makes me so happy. Um, The first step to to creating any healthy culture is to set up the systems and frameworks to listen. Um, It it is the first thing I do when joining any company, excuse me, it's it's the first thing I do um, when I'm advising early stage founders um, as they are building their companies um, it really, really comes down to understanding what motivates your community. Very, very remarkably so. Uh, you know, whether that is, um, you know, focus on, for as much as you want to focus on, on understanding your customer or your consumer's motivations, you must do that internally as well. And, and something that that is a common theme is not always the case, but is a common theme, um, for employees at climate tech companies is that they actually care a lot more about ESG policies for example so making sure that there is there is accountability and responsibility from their leadership team from the board on down to you know the 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 very last hire they just made are we being responsible um you know i think that I, I get really excited about the way company cultures are shifting in general. Um, but it is absolutely starting and it is taking a sh- very strong foothold in climate tech. And I think it is because of of the backgrounds that, that these folks have um, that are needed to build these companies in the right and sustainable way. And I don't just mean sustainable in terms of the planet. I mean, sustainable in terms of their business as well. And so... Uh, like I said, set up those systems and frameworks to listen and understand what is motivating your employees and then do something about it. So if they, you know, I, what, what I'm seeing on the policy side internally is young companies at a much earlier stage are actually writing uh, policies that you wouldn't see until much later in a company's history. And I think that is a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. I I, I think between the Taking the time to educate your employees on equity packages, which they may not be familiar with, and then I think taking the time to to look ahead and say let's put in place practices today. Um, I think it's widely applicable to to a lot of companies. I mean, I, you tend to find dissatisfaction with employees comes from the expectation gap, right? You you think it's going to be a great experience, and then it's not. Um, but I, I like that you called out the importance of of you know spending that time to do it early, what are maybe common pitfalls or mistakes that you see from some of the companies that you work with, um, you know, on, on the climate front that you wish more people knew about? You are like, I wish more people understood that they need to be doing this sooner.
1: Oh, another good question. I think, you know, you know something that, um, that I have experienced with a number of the climate tech companies that we've invested in, is, and I have not seen this with every every pitch. But like I said, employees at these companies, the talent that that is working within these companies, and their future talent that they have yet to hire, they really care about accountability, responsibility, um, and and making sure that there is a, there is a social impact, um, an environmental impact um, agreement. More or less between the company and the employees, and some of the very smartest, in my opinion, uh, founders um, in their pitches will actually ask us where our money goes. So, meaning, who are our investors? Um, You know, investors have investors. There are limited partners, and um, some firms will take money from from anyone. And when you when you you know do as they say, which is follow the money. Um, there is nothing more disheartening or or demoralizing to employees of climate tech companies than realizing or being struck with the fact that, oh my goodness, uh, the more successful our company becomes, that money is actually going back to um, institutions, organizations, individuals uh, who who actually sit very, very high on the emissions list or are, are contributing to things that are harmful to our environment or, or to our, our society. And so I think that, the, like I said, the very smartest founders in the pitch are actually asking us and grilling us on who our LPs are. Um, and so to me, that shows a very keen awareness and understanding of, of what is going to motivate them. Um, because if your employees figure out that, that your, you know, that their hard work um, is actually going to, to line the pockets of people who are working against their mission, you will lose them. You will lose them um and and they and that community talks um that will spread like no pun intended wildfire and so you know I, I would highly encourage uh anyone building in climate tech and honestly in any any sector ask ask where your money is going um ask where their investing dollars go at the end of the day because it really does matter
0: yeah I, I love that you said that i think one of the things that that i Particularly love about working in, in climate tech and it being one of the verticals that we really focus on is that there isn't this, some would say false archetype of what a climate tech founder looks like, right? We we all have this vision of a of what a tech founder in a hoodie coating away with you know a, a big thing of coffee was. But when we meet climate tech founders, we have folks that you know came from energy markets and worked in energy market hedge funds. We have folks that came from Bureau of Land Management. Uh, people that worked in in tech for many many years and now are motivated to make you know s- some of these changes, but I guess looking at you know as an evaluator of of founders, what stands out to you about climate a climate tech founder that you think this is the kind of person that I think is you know going to make a big difference and somebody that I want to back and be be working with.
1: Mm. I I appreciate that you've illustrated the variety. Um, just truly the diversity of background that can make a successful climate tech founder. Um, I I agree. It's it's different. And I love that it's breaking the mold in so many different ways. Um, I'm having a hard time articulating what I think makes a great climate tech founder uh, because of what you mentioned. Um, Even just thinking about our own portfolio, they all look very different than one another. They all have incredibly different backgrounds. Um, and by every definition, I believe that they're going to be incredibly successful. And so I'm trying to think of their common denominators. And I, I think that it, it has to start with deeply understanding the part of the problem that they they want to solve and being experts in that area. Um, which I would say for any founder in any industry. Um, I, I wanna know why they're going to build this for the next 10 years with their, their whole heart. Um, and you know, I, I think that, I, I won't say this is something I, I look for, but just something that I have noticed um, with some of my own biases um, is that the US is so far behind um, the rest of the world uh, when it comes to, to addressing climate, um, and, and addressing climate from the the private sector. And so for me, I've had the opportunity to meet founders from all over the world. And some of our very first international investments, um, have been in climate tech companies because we want to meet the best founders exactly where they are. Um, and so I really, I really do look particularly to Europe, Uh, from a policy perspective and from a a founder perspective, because they just simply have more years of experience solving this and and addressing these issues. And so... I, that's not to say that I would never invest in a, in a U.S. based, uh, founder because I have, and I will continue to. Um, but I just something that I noticed when I started learning more about this, this industry was, um, just how far behind we are here in the U S. And so understanding the, the global networks that a founder has, um, and, and their ability to learn, um, is definitely something that, that I, I look to.
0: I guess building off of that a little bit, and I I know I put you in in a sort of a a weird position with that question, but I appreciate your your answer all the same. How do you factor in the the government risk of it all? You know, so many of the companies Mm -hmm. that we see are selling into whether it's municipalities, maybe it's states, maybe it's federal agencies. Um, Historically, this is a category that venture investors have tried to stay far in the hell away from. Because of the long sales cycles, because, you know, an administration changes and boom, a deal you've been working on for a while can go kaput. Yeah. How do you factor that into your decision making when you're looking at companies that you want to back?
1: I am so glad you asked this question. And I am biting my tongue because I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your show. You can. But F that. <laughs> like totally, totally F that. I, I, this, is, this is one of the reasons I got into venture was to, to break some of the, those, you know, pre-existing models that I think are very outdated because the reality is, is that, well, there are several realities that I want to wax poetic on. Um, I will try to keep it more succinct, but to start, F your long sales cycles. This is how we're going to to make change, and and government policy is lagging, particularly here in the U.S., um, at such an insanely disproportionate rate that we we need these companies selling in. If we really want to solve this, we need to link arms with everyone across the board. And so this is different than a SaaS product where you know you need to get a new HR technology into education or into <laughs> health or into the government. Like, yeah, I get that. That makes sense for that. But for climate, truly you know, investors are supposed to be looking at the long-term, right? What does this look like 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road? The reality is, is nothing else matters if we do not solve climate. As quickly as possible, Um, and so, yeah, get in there. And yes, it's going to take longer. And yes, those you know, you, you could get the rug pulled out from under you. But you know, our our job, not only as investors, but as as fellow citizens on this beautiful blue globe, is that we we must we must do everything we can to accelerate this change. Not. The climate change, but accelerate the change where we start caring and our policies are shifting quickly, urgently, um, and, and appropriately addressing the things that really matter most. And so, you know, is it to me, is it worth the risk? Absolutely. Every day, all day.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, some would say it's, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If, if no investors want to back company selling the government, then government continues to have bad software. Exactly. They have bad tools. And then we're sort of back where we are again because nobody wants to sell to them. And so um, I'm 100% with you. I mean, the companies that that we've backed so far, uh, we've taken that risk in a calculated way and said, um, you know, one, the founder has to know how to sell. They have to have the the ability and relationships. And that's table stakes. But for us to say this change will not happen unless somebody is going to local governments and saying, you need to have disaster preparedness, or you need to have, you know, some, some reaction there, um, hundred percent in line with you. And, uh, you know what, more the better for us, because if everybody else is staying away, then there's more opportunity as we're investing. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the seven, seven, six foundation, uh, and and the program that you launched, which was the, the climate fellowship. Um, for those of our listeners that don't know about it, please tell us about the focus and, and mission of this initiative.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm happy to share. So, um, when we started 776, the, the venture capital firm, uh, that was two years ago, um, as of September 1st. And, um, it, you know, we, there were three of us that started it. It was Alexis Sohanian, myself, and Elizabeth Garvin, uh, Lizzie. And as we, uh, kind of got our legs under us for the venture capital firm, uh, we, we all of us uh, collectively, there, like I said, there are a few things that we care about very deeply. Climate being one of them, and um, you know, Alexis is in a very fortunate position uh, to be as successful as he has been with with his past um, work and and his efforts as both a founder and a venture capitalist. And uh, he and his family um, decided that they wanted to set up a foundation, and and this was something that. Uh, you know, had always been on our, our roadmap um, as we were ideating on on what seven seven six uh, could potentially be over time. You know, beyond just a, a venture capital firm. And um, Lizzie, th- this is the work that that she lives for, and so uh, we we knew that she was going to to go ahead and lead that for us. So um, the the foundation is it, it, we just started it. Uh, this just in the last. Uh, Year, not even year, less than a year. Um, it it starts with a twenty million dollar commitment from Alexis um, that you know we will commit over the next decade, and the first cohort of fellows um, is addressing the climate crisis. And so we we want to support the problem solvers at the earliest earliest possible stage. And so our fellowship program gives twenty remarkable young people. Uh, they have to be under the age of 23. Um, the chance to spend two years working on the the idea that that keeps them up at night. And so we will give grants of $100,000 per fellow um, and work very closely with them to build programs and uh, build that support that they need to bring their incredible and, and brilliant ideas to life. And so that's all being led by, by Lizzie.
0: I love that. That that is awesome. It um, reminds me of you know I, I got my start in venture and TechStars, and the the energy when you have programs like that where there's just creative collisions and people bouncing ideas off of each other, to channel that energy into climate is um, is fantastic. And that's actually the first thing that caught my eye uh, even before I knew about 776's climate investments, where I was like, that's a that's a great idea. I, I appreciate you channeling uh, that energy in that way. Um, maybe we'll we'll close there. You know, when you think about young people today that are interested in tech that are passionate about climate, you know, what is some advice that you would have for them about um, building a company in this space or or you know even potentially joining a company in this space?
1: Yeah, I love it. The kids are all right, right? Like I, <laughs> I, I know that I am uh, getting older. When I get just absolutely. Tickled at the thought of how many young people care so deeply about this, um, and and so I have so much advice, and I, I think that the the most succinct response would be, do it, please do it. Uh, there, I I feel like my generation has failed. Um, and so now it's our responsibility to help support young people, um, people of all ages, but, but particularly young people. Um, I will do my very best, my personal best to ensure that, that there are opportunities, there is access, uh, to not just joining these initiatives and joining these companies that are working to help save our planet, but, um, opportunities to build. And so if you have a little half of an inkling of an idea, flesh it out, spend that time Take, you know, a few nights or a few weekends with friends expanding on that idea because there, there is capital out there for you. There is support out there for you. Wherever you are from, whatever you look like, no matter even if you went to, to college or not, um, any little bit will really, really help. And so, you know, don't don't not do something because you feel like there is isn't access or opportunity. There are plenty of doors that you can knock on, um, including the two of ours. So please do it. Don't, don't let your self-doubt um, get in the way. Please, please do it.
0: I, I really, really appreciate that, Caitlin. I, I think uh, my two biggest takeaways from our conversation today is one, you know, the consumer action that we feel like is so incremental is actually really important because it speaks to a broader um, a mindset shift that we all need if we're going to really tackle this thing. And this the second being that we can't be afraid of the big problems, the long sales cycles, the government, you know, contracts. Like all of these things are are essential if we're going to have a planet to live in over the next 40 years uh for these young entrepreneurs that uh, I think are are much more acutely realizing this than maybe generations before us have. So I appreciate you sharing both those perspectives. Thank you so much for joining me on climb today. And we look forward to the continued success to come from seven, seven, six.
1: Jay, it's been absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for the inclusion. And, and I am thrilled uh, to partner with you on things moving forward. So thank you so much for having me.